welcome to episode number 83 of Investing from the Beach. My name's Chris Hansen. I'm your host. I've got my co-host with me. I guess we're recording it this morning, so I usually don't say that, but this morning I've got my co-host with me, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey, it's Chris Lamb here. And first time to the show, you know, I've had people tell me, hey, you don't need to do the intro all the time on the show. We know who you are. And yet the other side of me says, yeah, we get some new listeners. They want to know what this thing's all about. So... For those who've been I've listened listen- to a few uh, podcasts, I don't listen to many podcasts, but uh, I think most people do the same intro, right? It's they do it's just, a recording. I guess, appropriate, yeah. They do a recording of it and just press play. Um, that, but do they explain the background on it? Uh, some, yeah, most. Okay, you know they, yeah. Cool. Uh, then, then that's how we're going to do it. They don't skip it. Yeah. <laughs> just because somebody, if if somebody just dials into the first or whatever one episode, they're going to be confused if you don't explain it. Cool. All right. So let's explain it. So I have 18 more years worth of wrinkles. And and if you listen to the last episode, rings them around my neck (laughs) 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 and gray hair and uh, wardrobe styling than Chris does. Um, We figured out one day that he was born a week before I graduated high school. I think I did the math one time, went back and looked it up. So Mm -hmm. he's about 18 years younger than I am. Um, he was born. Were you born in Vietnam? I never even thought I was about born that. Born in Vietnam. Yes. Born in Vietnam. Uh, as parents. Far as I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they tell you. Parents were refugees. They came here when he was about five. He lived in a refugee camp in the Philippines for a couple of years when he was very young. Got to this country. Spoke little to no English. Uh, was a little scrappy kid that was going around fighting people who, uh, you know, <laughs> were talking talking crap behind his back. Um, he eventually. Uh, I won't say turned it around, but was always good in school. It came easy to me. I had to work at it, but he got it. As he was in college, he got an internship at IBM. <clears throat> Were you like 19 years old, 20 years old, coming in working there? Uh, I f- yeah, I think I was about 20, yeah. About 20? Yeah. And when he was 21, I took him out for his first, and I knew it wasn't his first beer. It was his first legal beer. A group of us took him out to a bar someplace in Hermosa Beach, California, a little suburb of L.A. Sat there and talked a little bit. We'd been chatting before. Um, I was working at IBM. I'd been there about the time he came in, let me think, probably 15, 16 years, something like that, when I met him then. And we were we had a number of discussions in and around the office in the bullpen. It was a sales office. He came up one time and said, hey, somebody said, you know a little something about stock market? And we started talking, developed this, uh, realized we both had an affinity and an interest in it, and developed into a great friendship that's continued to blossom over the years. And what else? What else do we say on this? We both hit freedom via the stock market. I Chris stuck around, or let me say, I stuck around for probably another two years, I guess, after he started. And then I walked. So I was, I was able to walk from a, a pretty good paying job, definitely mid, mid-six figure range, uh, when I was about 40, 41, something like that. Uh, Chris stuck around till he was about 30. I think he probably could have left in his, uh, you know, early, when you call it, the latter 20s. What do you think? Do you think you could have left and survived maybe three years earlier, four years earlier? What would you guess if you had to look back Yeah, on a few it? years earlier was fine. So he technically walked away when he was about 30. I'm under the opinion he could have walked when he was probably about 26. For those of you who think, oh, that's just because he was in a high tech high tech company getting a really high pay and lots of stock options. If you think that, you've never worked for IBM. 
at the time, they were the lowest paying tech company out there. And, and the worst stock yeah, options. No stock there. options given to employees. Did you ever get any stock options? No, I think they only give it to uh, management levels. Yeah, and you yeah. never you never got the word manager. I, I never got that. I just got called into a manager's office. I, no, <laughs> I never I, got I, to I sit in one. Yeah, I wasn't that unlucky. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have the desire to do so. But we both reached freedom via the stock market. Um, and as a result, we were able to walk away from – and you, you were making in the six figures when you left, correct? Yes, yeah. Um, Actually, uh, uh, if, if you count uh, – Full time, uh, I would probably be making near uh, half a million. <laughs> Full t- oh, <laughs> no! For those of you saying, "Wait, he made half a million a year?" It's like, no, no. What he's what he figured out, what we both figured out was, parents, if you've got your young teenage kids listening to this, you might want to fast forward on this episode, or at least for the next few minutes. We both figured out how to get the job done in less than forty hours way less than 40 hours. Chris was a master of it. I was pretty good at it, but I, I, I could have probably taken, maybe he took some lessons from me and improved it. I don't know what went on, but he worked very, very little. <laughs> was able to get it done. Yeah, I think I shared, uh, kicked around the idea with you at the time. I thought I could... Uh, you were going to work know, two jobs. Kept, yeah, I kept my job at IBM and then I could go sell for HP and Dell. <laughs> and so, you know, or Microsoft or something like that. So I just come in and go, what do you want to buy? <laughs> so he, he was, and he's serious when he said that he was very seriously looking at trying to double dip and get him <laughs> by another place. Um, my numbers will be good anyhow. You know, yeah. What do you want to buy? Whatever they need, I got it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like an insurance person that says, hey, you know, you want to buy insurance from this company or this one or this one. I got them all. Uh, they'd be a, yep. you know, the the tech broker. But we reached freedom via the stock market. Uh, Chris, did real estate have any impact on your ability to reach freedom? Did you own real estate? Did you own real estate now? No. Nope. Did you own it at the time? Uh, Well, yeah, I did. I did when I was in Dallas, but uh, it was. was, Oh, that's right. I probably would have gone to time freedom a little faster without it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. But Um, that was more for uh, experience and education versus I was trying to invest or anything. But you all, but you sold it when you came back to LA, right? So you did not own real estate when you uh, walked out the door from IBM. Yeah, when I left, I mean, I uh, you know uh, remotely you know was selling it while I was still here, but uh, you know got it done before the for the mortgage collapse. Yep, exactly. What else? So we hit freedom. Uh, people will talk about you know, oh, you hit financial freedom. That's so cool. Like, no, 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 no. I mean, financial freedom's fine for those that don't know. Time freedom is really what you're trying to get to. And there's a huge difference between the two. Financial freedom, what most people will think of when they hear that word is the common avenue that people will take is they'll do it in real estate. So they you know, maybe flip a home, do that a couple of times, then they buy someplace and they become a landlord. And that goes reasonably well. They go buy another place and pretty soon they do the math and say, wow, I'm making you know, this many hundred of dollars, hundreds of dollars per month on this unit. If I could have four or five or ten of these things, and that would replace my salary, and I'd be done, which is an awesome strategy. And if that's all you know, it's you know, if if all you've ever eaten is vanilla ice cream, then vanilla ice cream is the best thing ever. But once you get a couple of other flavors, you suddenly realize, well, vanilla is good. There's some stuff that's so much better. And at least, and you may decide that vanilla vanilla absolutely is your favorite. 
But you can't really say that with certainty until you've been able to go to Baskin Robbins and try all 31 flavors and see which one actually is the best. And so along those lines, what we found was the stock market was the way to go. But whether you want to do this, reach freedom in the stock market, real estate market, it doesn't matter. It requires the same set of skills and the same basic um, foundational aspects. Did you ever just have like a brain fart? I totally forgot where I was going. I was trying to tie this in. Time freedom. Oh, thank you. Time freedom. See, this is the difference that 18 years longer on earth brings to you. (laughs) As you go down this path, you think, what the hell was I (laughs) talking about? Where was I going with this? (laughs) So the idea with time freedom is that if you go the real estate route, that's awesome that you can start your own, you know, the Chris Lamb real estate company or the Chris Hansen real estate company. It's it's tough to achieve time freedom through that. It does take a lot of time. The money can be great, which is fine. And you end up hiring people and you spend a ton of time managing your real estate portfolio. The converse of that is build up a massive pile of money and invest it in businesses. And, you know, some of those businesses you can hold for the longer term, kind of like what Mr. Buffett does. And others of those you can look to buy and sell. So almost like you're flipping homes in real estate. If you want, you can get to the point of day trading. Uh, we both have done it. We do it at times, but it's not our our. It doesn't provide our day to day dollars and be able to pay the bills. It can be done if you want, which is fine. But it's nice to be able to have the time to go live life and do what it is that you want to do. Uh, there will be a period of time if you pursue it that your your desire will be to go build wealth. And whatever that number is that you're chasing or that level standard of living, that's perfect. But once you reach that, now you got to say, okay, what's going to drive me from that? What am I going to want to spend my time doing? And the beauty of time freedom is you go spend your time living life. So that's what we talk about in the podcast. I'll come back to the living life piece in a little bit here. Yeah, you have more freedom of choice. (laughs) That's exactly it. Choice of your time. So you live where you want, eat what you want, drive what you want, spend time with whom you want and how you want to do it to your, to your, um, what you want to call it, to your standards, to your desires. And it, so it means if you want to live in a small place, perfect. If you want to go live in a Beverly Hills mansion, perfect. Just, you know, it's really a standard of living statement or in a, a cost of living statement as to what it is that you want to do. But then what you do is with that, now you figure out what your purpose is. Where do you want to really spend your time to have an impact? Not just that is fulfilling to yourself, but also you know helpful to overall greater society, if you will. And, you know, I think our, uh, our podcast has done a, a you know tremendous impact to the world because uh, a lot of people today have time freedom. Right? I, I shared that with you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much longer we need to uh, do this podcast. <laughs> are you trying to retire? My, you know what it is? You are starting to behave like the general populace in that you're realizing, hey, wait a minute. This dude isn't paying me enough, and Biden will, <laughs> will pay me money. Newsom, yeah. if you live in California, will pay you money being unemployed. Biden will pay you money to sit on your ass so that way you'll vote Democrat at the next, you know, upcoming elections. And now you're behaving the same way you're saying, hey, Hanson, (laughs) 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 you're not paying me enough. I'm getting money from, I can get money from Uncle Joe and Gavin or Gavin's replacement, whoever that's going to be. And we'll figure that out in a month or so. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the purpose is to help people to get to time freedom, right? And uh, because it's a wonderful place to be. 
but uh, we, we are definitely in a different time where, you know, people are uh, uh, getting their time freedom from, from the government. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mentioned to you that Tuesday waves are, are getting noisy, man. Yeah, they're getting crowded. Yep. If you don't know what he's talking about, at the end of every episode, we talk about the ability with freedom to be able to go to the beach any day of the week. And if you've, with COVID, most of us have been able to go to the beach whenever we want, which really sucks for those that have, sucks for those of us that have earned the right to go to the beach whenever we want. <laughs> but in all sincerity, the waves when nobody is at the beach are awesome. And Tuesdays are the best day to go. There's nobody there. You truly get to understand it. And they sound so much better than any weekend wave that you ever hear. So that's the reference there. That was such a totally different intro than what we normally do. Purpose of the that's podcast. Why, that's why you got to listen to it. That, exactly. The purpose of the podcast, we're not going to give you the secret formula, the secret cookbook, the secret mechanical, or, you know, mechanics, the steps you got to do to get to freedom. Um, you'll go figure that out on your own. What we found in doing that is that those, the mechanical steps in the cookbook is maybe at the max 5% of what's required to get there. The, the remaining 95 plus percent of what it takes to get to time freedom is how to think. And that's what we spend our time talking about during the podcast. The reason for the podcast or where it came to be, um, I teach a stock class. If you're interested, go hit the Investing from the Beach website. Click around on the tabs up there or the drop downs on your phone. You'll see something that relates to a stock class. If you're not sure if it does, just click on it and you'll figure it out. One of the people that uh, started in the class is a uh, very, very well known in the podcasting world. Not so much as being a podcast, he's not like a Joe Rogan, but he's a guy on the back end that is basically putting all the people together, whether it be advertisers or whomever else. And he sat through the class and grabbed me one afternoon and said, you guys really have an incredible message. You ought to do a podcast. And I called Chris afterwards. I said, we ought to do a podcast. And Chris said, what the hell is a podcast? I said, oh, young man, let me explain to you what a podcast is. Because, you know, I, I had a 10-minute lesson on it. So I'm an expert <laughs> compared to you. That it was like a, a vegetable or something. <clears throat> yeah, I had no idea. So that was 80, what was that, 82 episodes? Now 83 episodes ago. So. Yeah. And that's how this came to be. So if you're listening to this expecting to give us some stock tip and, you know, go buy ABC stock or sell XYZ stock, you're not going to find that here. That in my, and I, Chris, I know you shared this opinion. That is absolutely worthless. Because if you've got to rely on one of us or somebody else to tell you what to buy and when to buy it, you're only as good as that person is. And if that person, it's kind of like Kramer on uh, Mad Money yeah, on CNBC. You can watch Mad Money for that. Yeah. But if Kramer gets hit by a bus, right, all the people that are relying on him are toast. So they're not going to know when to buy, buy, buy. They're not going to know when to sell, sell, sell. And so giving somebody a fish is not helpful at all. you got to teach them to fish. And so if you want to learn how to do the stock market, one alternative, again, go look at the class if you want. If you don't, that's cool. It doesn't matter. If you want to do it in real estate, by all means, go pursue it. That's terrific. All right. Was that good enough? No, it's good. Cool. Uh, you got your disclaimer in? Uh, I don't think we'll talk about anything that meets disclaimer. But the disclaimer for those of you who are new, Chris and I are unemployed. Uh, 10 years plus for Chris, coming up on 20 for me. So <clears throat> according to the SEC and the governing bodies for the stock market and the financial industry, because we don't have a job and because we are not, uh, in order to have a license, we need to be employed by somebody. 
neither one of us is employed, so we're not qualified to have a license. And since we don't have a license, we clearly cannot give any advice because we obviously don't know what the heck we're talking about. The mere fact that we've been unemployed and doing this for 10 or 20 years. And so with that, we cannot give any type of financial advice. And we joke about it in kind of smart-ass way. But the reality of it is, removing all the sarcasm, all the sarcasm from it, we don't know what your situation is down to the individual level. Don't know what your age is, what your financial situation is, what your goals yeah, what, are. What your goals are, what your risk tolerance. <clears throat> all that. Go ahead. Keep all going, man. You always let me, let me hear you do the disclaimer. No, no, no. That, that's what just finished. <laughs> <laughs> We're not professionals. Cannot give you advice. So anything we talk about is purely education and it's our, our opinion. Yep. And so go speak to a licensed financial advisor who clearly knows what they're doing because they're still working for a living. And that would be the person that you should, according to the SEC and FINRA, the governing body, that would be the type of person you should speak to. So you've been instructed to do so. All right, so we spoke earlier about um, living life. And we're recording this in middle, early, mid part of August, which when I was growing up, when you growing up, was the depths of the summer which meant that we were, you know, going outside, playing with our buddies, doing whatever we were doing. But now the state of California has decided that, hey, it would be really smart to put kids in school a little bit earlier so they get more time so that by the time we do this testing in the latter part of May to see what they learned in the school year, they'll have more time in the classroom. And so in their brilliance, rather than moving the testing date out maybe to mid-June, you know, where it's really still not that hot and ungodly in the summer, let's start the school year when it's the effing hottest time of the year, <laughs> when air conditions are air conditions required. It's all this lunacy to do that. So yeah. just as my kid's leaving the school system, he's got one more year to go, yours is just entering. Yep. And so... Yeah. We were talking beforehand today, so Mr. Lamb had the wonderful experience of dropping off his oldest at kindergarten this morning. Yeah, it was a day of uh, lots of tears. <laughs> by you or by others? By others, yeah. And But you've had tears before when you've dropped her off. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, uh, I think when we first put her in you got pretty much daycare, because she was just uh, turning three at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, find the first day going off and you kind of have this kind of, oh, you know, you, right, here she is. And, you know, there's, there's a little joy of that, right? Yep. Uh, and so after that, I mean, I guess that was my experience. But with uh, putting her into this, this new school in kindergarten, I, I didn't get that feeling. But I did see, you know, other parents have that. Yep. Um, but the feeling that I got, as I walked out of the school or as I was kind of just watching her walk in line, cause they have this process where, okay, you lined up and, um, uh, they have numbers and they have boxes painted on the ground and they have their names on each of the boxes and they have to sit there and wait until the bell rings. And then, you know, here she is walking in line and following the line and going up the ramp and going into her room. And uh, I just made made me think like, oh man, you know my kid is like you know getting institutionalized here. Yep. She's following this whole process, and this yep. is kind of a, this is the stage where, 
you know, she's starting to be able to kind of think things on her own mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and, and this is what you're throwing her into, right? Um, so it makes me kind of sad because I know the, the school system is not something that I want her to uh, see as this is very important. Uh, I, I, I want her to know that, you know, all the things that we talk about in the podcast, the, the, the work ethics and, you know, um, following instructions and all that, you know, that's most important. And uh, what's more important is, you know, parents at home guiding you and the skill sets you're going to build uh, versus let's po- focus on grades and scores and uh, uh, whatever subject matter that, you know, they're trying to teach in school. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I feel like, okay, I got, you know, my, my plate is loaded now, right? <laughs> and each day uh, I got to, you know, talk to her and go, what did you learn today in school? And make sure that, you know, these things, uh, the, the things that are good sticks with her and the things that aren't, you know, uh, relevant or important, brush it off. You got to scrub it out of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Scrub it out. So I used to, you know, when, uh, <clears throat> and you can remember when I was taking mine into kindergarten, first grade, cause I would call you afterwards like, okay, I got to pick them up and it got to be known as car class. And so when you, when I was driving them to school, it's about a 10 minute drive at the time. And we would talk about stuff, whatever it was, but it was really education time because mm-hmm. you know, like, there's no electronics. I wouldn't have the car radio on and we give them, you know, life advice, financial advice, talking about whatever. And so now you're, you're going to get to do car class. Um, or bike class. Yeah. yeah. Or bike or walk class. Right. But it's basically, yeah, yeah you're just, you're having that discussion along the way and it's really to unteach what the teachers unknowingly put in their brain so an example of this you know there's all kinds of stuff in the news about how the education is very biased towards one political way of thinking whether you agree with it or disagree with it doesn't matter one of the things that you'll find if you're not a parent yet and if you are a parent you've already seen this is the education system does a phenomenal job of not talking about financial education. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of that is because the school district doesn't have that on, or the Board of Education doesn't have that in the curriculum. And that's one huge reason. Another huge reason is the teachers don't know it. (laughs) So you can't teach what you don't know. One of the things, and we talk about this, you know, we're hearing a lot of discussion around we talked about earlier where the government is throwing money out to the masses and there are certainly some people that need it by all means. I get that, but there are many that, you know, you've got the ability to go out and work and get up and go work. You know, it smacks of, or it's leaning towards something where you've got government taking care of the people, which starts to fall into the category of socialism. And I remember when, when my kid was young, we were having a discussion one time about different political structures. And, you know, this is like with a first or second grader. And I was describing to him and I said, you know, here's the way I want you to think about it when we, when we talk about socialism. Let me put it in terms of you for school. <clears throat> when, and your daughter's going to figure this out pretty quick. Do kindergarten, you don't see it as much. First grade, you see it a little bit. You really start to see it second, third, and fourth. Mm-hmm. Is the kids will be doing their homework. And there'll be some that do it and some don't. And she'll be able to spot right away who the screw-up kids are, right? They don't have attention span or, you know, whatever the issue is, but they're not getting stuff done. And then you have other kids that you know get it done on time and everything gets done. 
the way I described it to my son was to say, imagine this. Imagine if the teacher came up towards the end of the school year and said, hey, you've done really well. You've earned an A and you've put a lot of effort into it. And you've been studying and working at it. But Billy and Susie over here, yeah, you know, they, they kind of screw around a little bit. They don't have as much, maybe as much brain power or they don't have the discipline or for whatever reason, they're not doing the work that they could have done because you got it done in the same 24 hours, but they didn't get it done. So let's take some points from you and we'll take your A down to a B and we'll give some of your points to that student that was doing D and C work and we'll bring them up to a B and everybody's got a B and we're all about equal. What do you think? And he looked at me and goes, that's not fair. I said, why not? He said, well, I worked for that. I said, oh. So I said, so that's what socialism is. You have people that are producers that work. And they give it to, and they will pass dollars along to those that don't. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone that receives it is, un, is unworthy of that. And I recognize we've got a, a wonderful social care system here in the U.S. that can't be matched anywhere else. And that's great for those that don't have the ability to contribute. But for those that do have the ability to contribute and for whatever reason choose not to, they should not be rewarded. And, you know, uh, I think there's a psychology behind like humans, like uh, you tend to give more when you're not being when you're not being taken it's like I think you know people who have money are more than willing to donate and help others who are in need mm-hmm. when they're not required to and when they're required to they'll go okay I'm just going to give what I'm required to <clears throat> yep and uh, no difference than you know let's say somebody you know when you go eat at the restaurant and they charge you a tax I mean a, a tip yeah how often do you tip more pisses me off yes yep but if they don't charge a tip you actually end up tipping more uh-huh. yeah yep that's that's the psychology behind you know um, um, taking money from you know someone as as far as you think oh they need to pay their share versus allowing them to pay because out of their kindness or heart they want to help just a side note on that that has nothing to do with nothing back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, the United Way, a big charitable organization, and Chris, I don't know if they were doing this by the time you joined, but they used to go to the major employers around the country, and they had these big, beautiful production videos that they had. And this was before, you know, before the internet. And they'd get this person from the local United Way office, and they'd come out to our sales meeting, you know, you got 100 people in this room, and they would run this video about all these wonderful programs that the United Way was sponsoring and throwing money toward. And then we were all handed a, uh, a card that we had to fill out that would um, list out how much of a payroll deduction we would do to contribute to the United Way. And it's kind of like, you know, when you go to school, you're going you're to get something here in the next couple of weeks that wants you to sign up for the PTA, right? She's going to bring yeah. something home for you. And her class will be penalized or rewarded if not everybody they don't all have to say I'm in the PTA but at least I got to return the card and so I got the card one year at work and I thought man it, it just seemed like so much money was being spent on making this video <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why don't they put that toward 
toward the toward the um, toward the charity rather than yeah. the marketing of the charity. Yeah. And I didn't really understand it, but so I turned in the card as I was supposed to, but I had a zero contribution on it, and I didn't get along very well with the guy that I worked for. And he called me in the office one day and he said, "You know, you really should be contributing because of blah blah blah." And I said, "You know, it really bugs me." that somebody is almost forcing me to contribute to something. I'm happy contributing on my own, but it really bugs me that this, specifically this organization, spends so much time tooting their own horn Mm -hmm. to try and get us to contribute. He goes, well, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I I wasn't this nice about it. I said, we're just going to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, And that put me, I'm sure, even further on his his good list. (laughs) (laughs) So... About a year later, maybe it was later on that year sometime, it came out that the CEO of the United Way was embezzling and doing all kinds of illegal Uh, crap. And I remember walking into his office one day after it had gone public, and I just kind of looked at him. I said, dude, I hate to say I told you so. And he blew up. Wow, you didn't know that that was going on? It's like, Mm -hmm. it's indicative of, you have your opinion, I have my opinion. One of us Mm -hmm. was right, and one of us was wrong. And the guy who's yelling really loud, usually when you yell really loud, it's because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. So again, I'm sure that elevated me even higher on his <laughs> popular list. So arrogance is not a good trait. <laughs> Sometimes it's best just to keep your mouth shut. But anyway. A lot, a lot of good experience at work, huh? Oh, yeah. I had that happen a couple of times. Um, let me think. So other stuff, back to dropping her off at school. One of the things I was telling Chris this morning, I said, hey, when you drop her off, take a look around. Because all of the, the parents that you see going in, you know, hanging out at the kindergarten class, assuming you don't move, they're going to be the people that you see on the weekends over the next three, four, five years as you're going to the various birthday parties and events. And you're going to find out quickly who of those group of parents think like you do. <laughs> and who you will encourage your daughter not to be as friendly toward because the parents aren't as um aren't as with it i guess is the right way to say that yeah I'm, I'm, chris I'm, this uh, is where you say something <laughs> i have no comment <laughs> yeah i mean i think the class uh her specific uh because the school is a small smaller school uh I, I didn't pay attention to too many parents. I think it was more of because uh, she was uh, in kindergarten, so there was you know roughly twenty students I think per class, and there was you know about I think there's two classes, and uh, I might have only seen maybe like maybe a group of maybe maybe ten ten parents. Okay. Yeah, you know, group of ten parents or something like that. I didn't see a whole lot. I was kind of surprised. But you'll you'll find though that yeah. that's going to be your not your social circle, but that will be yeah. a good part of your social circle as she starts getting invited to various events mm-hmm. um, with the kids and that. So, and those are the kids that will be having an influence on her. So not only not only do you get to figure out, you know, to unlearn what the school system is teaching or not teaching, but then you're yeah. <laughs> you can, <laughs> You know, she's been hanging out with my uh, social circle, and, <laughs> and I guess now I'm trying to hang out with her social circle. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. 
So cool. So first day of school, it'll be fun. And then I haven't heard him in the background, but then we got little one here that's been uh, that was squawking just before I hit the record button. So if you if the listener, you might hear a little, wah, wah, way in the background because yeah. he's got a he's talking. Was he about six months? Four months? Yeah, yeah. He just turned six months. Wow. And he turned six months today. That's cool. Yeah. Very very cool. So the next thing we were going to chat about <clears throat> was uh, to finish up on the uh, on the school part. Please. Um, I I was you know telling my wife about how I view the school and uh, and I was just you know sharing with you or you know, like just what we were talking about how I want her to understand that you know school is not the end all or is all you know um, so that she doesn't feel the pressure because you know going through the school you know, school system uh, growing up here. Uh, I felt a lot of pressure that I had to do well and, you know, get A's and all that. And it wasn't, and not from my parents, but it's just, you know, something in me was like, oh, you got to do well and you got to, you know, uh, perform. And what I knew well was just get good grades, right? Because the school system really based you on grades and, and scores and tests. Um, it wasn't about you developing as a person and uh, skills that you need to build. Um, and so if I knew that, if I understood that, it would take a lot of pressure away and make school or the experience a lot more fun. And so I wanted to kind of instill that in her so that she understands and, you know, never, never feel any fear uh, when you're in school. You know, uh, don't don't uh, worry about making mistakes or failing. Right. That's huge. And so that takes off that pressure. There's a great Just line. Just work hard, do your best. Yeah, in the school system, what happens is you're given the material and then you get the test. Mm-hmm. In the real world, either and you can look at it as the investing world, the entrepreneurial world, you're given the test and then you learn. Yeah, and 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 you mentioned you know talking about politics and you know these are the taboos, right? Politics, religion, and money. Yep. It's funny how those things are like taboo to talk about, but. Those three things are the most important things that you should have conversations about. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's like if you're not going to talk about those three things, then what other things are you going to talk about that's more important? The Kardashians. Yeah. yeah. And what, whether you know, Caitlyn Jenner should be running for governor. Oh, yeah, that's politics. Who, oh, can't talk about that one. Yeah, who did what last night's game. Yes. Right? Yep, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> All the stuff that's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So don't be, a, you know, you, you got to, you got to, you know, share your views and religion and politics and money, you know, with your kids. Those are very important things. Now, if you look back, I mean, knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. if you could, because I ran into this with my kid, the, um, my wife is very smart, very, very, and very book smart. She's just very intelligent person. Um, you know, a rocket scientist, literally. Did she tell you she's listening to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dear. Um, But it's interesting because she's got more of the approach with her kid of the grades are important, right? And she's on them, right? She's, she's, he's under the thumb. Mm -hmm. And yet when she's not around, she goes away, you know, sees her folks or something for a couple of days. Yeah. I'm of, I take the approach of, Hey, you put in your best effort. I'm not worried about whether you get an A or a B. you got to really, you got to make an effort to get an A and you got to make an effort to not get a B. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more about if you get the concepts down 
that's more about what I'm concerned with. Yeah. And and she's got the approach of, yeah, you're smart enough, you should be able to pull a haze. Like, I don't agree with the, the intelligence statement, but mm-hmm. I'm not as worried about the letter grade. But yeah. I'm, I'm more concerned about, can you do math quickly in your head? Mm-hmm. You know, can you We're add subtract? skills. Yeah, add, subtract, yeah. multiply, divide. Cool. Other stuff, I mean, you, with Google and Siri, you can look, you can look crap up quick. Yeah. Um, I'm more concerned about, can you look somebody in the eye and have a discussion with them? Mm-hmm. Can, you lead a, can you lead a discussion? And can and you have a face-to-face? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's so much reliance today on people texting. Correct. And <laughs> which is, to me, uh, you know, for, I can text you, hey, Chris, you're going to be ready at 9 to do a recording. Yes. Cool. Yeah. But Chris, let me send you three, co- let me send you a copy of four pages of something that have my thoughts and ideas on how to pursue something. I want you to give me your feedback. You don't mm-hmm. send that to somebody in a text. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, and yet, I mean, I got something like that. Now the listener's going to hear that and she's going to go, oh, wow, he's talking about me. <laughs> <clears throat> and But if you look at it, it's like that's lunacy to send something that is that important where you want strong feedback on in a text message. You know, make it easy for somebody. But you want to be able to teach a kid and an adult the ability to look somebody in the eye and have a discussion and, you know, have a persuasive discussion. Yeah. So you can lead somebody into your way of thinking or, you know, express yourself, Mm -hmm. which clearly I'm having trouble doing at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to be a good communicator to get your thoughts across, have confidence to, uh, you know, deal with problems and situations, right? Yeah. You know, face challenges and you're okay with it. Uh, We talked about working hard and, you know, following instructions, um, you know, all those things that uh, will make you successful and not, oh, I, I, I focus on getting A's because I needed to score well here and I remembered this fact. Yes. And so, you know, for me, if I, you know, had to reset and go, go through the school system again, if I focus on those things, I would be a much better uh, uh, prepared and understanding of the world and of, you know, who I am, where I am Correct. at a much earlier age. Yeah. Correct. I heard I saw a great line in a book. I'm not going to mention the book. So, and if you want to know what it is, don't bother sending me a note to ask. But Chris, let me ask you this: With you and I, if you and I are having a discussion, which one of us, if, if one of us is talking, one of us is listening, which one of us has the power? Uh, the person listening. Yeah, exactly. Most people would say that the power is with the person talking, and the answer is no. It's the person who's listening that has the power. Because the way that they respond, all I have to do is ask a question and they can guide the talker wherever they want them to go. And most people would spin it the other way and say that the person that's talking has the power. And that's not true. And that's why the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth. <laughs> and we should, I said to people quite a bit, and, you know, put, that into, put that ratio into practice in real life. Right? You listen a lot more. Yeah. Well, uh, you know where you, you you know you know where you need to uh, to talk more situations, and you know also know where you need to listen more. Right. Mm-hmm. Your job is to identify that. Correct. Correct. What else should we cover on this? Uh, I think that's that's pretty much. Um, so now when it, it, it's it's you know why why am I we're sharing this experience? I'm trying to think what will help uh, the audience as they're listening to this. You know, if you have kids or you have uh, family members or, or, or 
uh, have some effect on you know kids going through the school system is to apply that, apply what we talked about um, as they're you know growing through or growing up and going through the school system is to help them not become so attached to that, uh, but really to to help build them as uh, an individual, as a person. And I think it takes off a lot of pressure as far as you know all the pressure that school puts on kids. Um, and when you you when you can have fun, uh, gain experience, and know that uh, it is a, not a bad thing to fail, and to keep going and keep trying, um, you know it it does so much for the for the kids and uh, for people. Um, and don't avoid you know uh, talking about money, finance, you know politics and religion. Talk about those three things because they are really uh, 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 the foundation for for us as humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now let me lead into that. So your lovely little one is five years old. Mm-hmm. Twenty-one years from today, she now is a twenty-six-year-old, and she, let's say that twenty-one years ago she was a five-year-old, and now she's twenty-six. She's now a millennial. Mm-hmm. And she got written up in CNBC, an awesome article about her. Mm-hmm. And you, you shared this with me. What did this awesome article say? She's 26 oh, okay. years old. I was old. trying to figure out Like, where the heck this. am I going with this? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, so Chris is uh, asking me about an article I shared with him. The, the title caught my attention. And, you know, these, these, these CNBC uh, writers, they're very catchy with their titles. <laughs> says this 26 year old saved uh, 86% of her earnings in 2020, so last year, and is working toward retiring at 32. And so I kind of like, huh, you know, when I was around that age, I saved, you know, quite a bit of what I earned as well. What is she doing here? And so I clicked on it and, uh, and it said, oh, she found out about this fire movement, what we have mentioned in previous episodes about around, uh, Financial independence, retire early, right? Fire, and uh, typically they're teaching you to uh, live, you know, for on very, very little, and save as much as you can, and uh, really put it into bonds or or uh, ETFs or something that really just kind of, you know, you're earning very little on your on your money, uh, but build up an, a, a large enough asset uh, or or amount of money that can you know, kind of meet the minimum requirement of your living standard. And then now you, you know, you, 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 you can retire. Okay. And so then I look into the details, what she's doing and, uh, says, uh, you know, she finished up, uh, she's, she's working on her master's degree. And then, uh, she and her boyfriend were, you know, they had debts of like, or she had debts of $50,000 from college and, so she worked two, uh, a full-time job and two part-time jobs to pay that off. And then she started to uh, save, you know, uh, more aggressively. Um, and then her plan was, based on the number she's crunched, she said she and her boyfriend together uh, need to work towards their fire number, which is about $700,000, they say. So we need at least $700,000 because with that, it will generate $21,000 roughly a year. So, um, you know, just quick math, it's about 3%. So they need to generate uh, um, $21,000 to cover their expenses, to live comfortably, it says. I'm thinking, <laughs> Wait, wait, Chris, hold, hold on. <laughs> so I love the fact 
that she went and got two part-time jobs and a full-time job and worked to pay off debt. That uh, kudos, kudos, kudos. Love hearing that, right? Love that she paid off a huge amount of debt. Love that she's saving the bulk of her income. All the right things. And love that she's got her working towards getting three-quarter of a million dollars by the time she's whatever it's going to be, age 32. Awesome. (laughs) All that is good. And now it comes to a screeching halt. (laughs) If I'm doing the teacher, A, 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 and I hear this next line about how much are you going to make, Chris? She wants to make 3% on her money? She wants to make 3% on her money. Still an A? (laughs) Kids, cover your, I mean, parents, cover your kids' ear. I'm about to swear. This one will be explicit. (laughs) That's, that's That's horrible. Absolutely yeah, so, disgusting. You know, she's she's been working too much to be able to expose herself to you know around people that can help her to think bigger beyond three percent of uh, the money and also understand the principles of money. You know, we talk uh, quite often about what's going on in this current environment of inflation and money printing, and so uh, the real uh, you know devaluation of your dollars is a lot more than three percent. And so every year, your money is, your purchasing power is uh, going down by more than 3%. So if you're just getting 3%, you're actually going to live, <laughs> your standard of living is going to go down over time. Okay? Uh, so I don't think she understands that and is, is factoring in that. And then also, uh, you know, living on 21000 I'm like, what? How are you living on $21,000, two people? Yep. You might be able to do that today because you're just, you know. Living at home. Living at home and all that. But <laughs> that's that's going to change. And what if you got emergency situations, medical expenses and, you know, certain unexpected, you know, ex- what if you lost your, your, your job or. What if, what, if uh, your car, what if you have to change the oil in your car? <laughs> correct. Yeah. Yeah. Your cars break down or yep. something. Come on, it's you got to calculate all that into it. You know, I think uh, they did a breakdown of her costs, and you know, they're not they're not requiring a car today because they carpool. Yep. You know, so they're using it's just like the bare minimum uh, numbers today, not even giving that buffer of you know our lives are going to change. Um, How about you know what about families and kids? You're twenty six. Yep. So you're telling me by thirty two, you're you're always going to never have kids and never have family. That that's it. And so this is a little misleading, right? And a little? I think she needs yeah, <laughs> you know, being nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she needs to, to, to think a little bit bigger and uh, plan for a little bit more uh, of an abundant life and not let me just do the bare minimum and I'm retired just to say I'm retired. You, you don't want to do that. And hopefully that is a way, another way to share with someone how to think is to think bigger and to plan, you know, with all these other, you know, what if this happened? What if that happened? Have you gotten that covered? Not that's bare minimum. And all I care about is that I'm retired at this age. The age doesn't matter, right? It's, it, it really has to do with how are you going to retire, not when are you going to retire? And, and are you going to retire the way that you want to live your life? Okay. Not just getting to the point where I just meet my minimum so while we've been having this discussion, I did this purposely. Um, I didn't actually do the trade 
but I almost did. And I made 1% on a big chunk of stock once. (laughs) And I'm in the midst of doing it again on a chunk of stock. And right, we'll see here, the next 30 seconds, I will get out. In fact, I'll get out now just so I can, I don't sit here. There it is. Now I'm out. And just under 1%. So in the time that we've been talking about this, it is taking, Mm -hmm. in the time that we've been running the podcast, I've done two trades that each yielded about 1%. And that's 2% in a day. Chris, have you ever done this? Done what? Made 2% 2%? on stock in a a day. 2%? Yeah. Oh, that's too low. I'm just saying. So (laughs) I'm not, yeah. No, it's not stretching. Yeah. Um, and so she wants to make 3% in a year. Mm-hmm. And not only did we do it in a day, let's see, right now we've been recording the podcast for 50 minutes. <laughs> did, it, mm-hmm. did it in a 50-minute window. Mm-hmm. And just watching a stock that we both know we were talking about earlier, it moves around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay. With know-how, that's, that's an absolute travesty. I, Chris, I would, I would not own you as a friend anymore <laughs> if you told me that you were looking to make 3% in a year. Mm-hmm. Be like, what? We would sit down and have a very serious heart-to-heart. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right? With know-how, that's crazy. But Well, I, I, I wouldn't be spending time uh, podcasting. No, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. But so many kudos for what she's doing and the fact that she's going willing to work, all right, put a ton of time in, and save up the bulk of what she's making, that is awesome. And you want to continue that. That's a, having the saver mentality, that's perfect. By the way, since you told me you exit the position, I, I'm going to enter because I know I will get two more percent. <laughs> we had true story. We would have many times where we would find out we were in the same trade. Go, yeah, I'm thinking about getting out. <clears throat> and it would always happen. If one of us would get out, the other one almost could, almost 100% of the time, end up getting more of a win just by getting in right then and staying in for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it's a great, it was the Chris indicator yeah. <laughs> when one yeah. of us would sell, the other one could jump in and boom, we knew that there was some profit left on the table. Yeah. I think it was like a, a 90%, uh, you know, probability yeah. that it would go another 2%. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, 60, 80% or something like that probability to go 1%. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Very, very cool. So uh, message behind that, twofold. One, to repeat, love the fact that she's willing to go work, work a second job, a third job. That's phenomenal. And saving all the money, that's even better. And using it then to buy herself out of debt. Awesome, 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 awesome. Setting a number for herself to make 3%. uh, Lady, you got to get schooled. That's not good at all. And by the way, 3%, Chris, when you think of something that you bought a year ago that you've also bought recently, so whether that was dinner at the same restaurant or a box of cereal or a... Spring rolls, man. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Has it gone up more than 3%? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dramatically. It's gone up uh, double digits, you know, like 20%. Okay. So that's called inflation. So what you know when Chris is talking spring rolls, um, it's a menu item. There's a great little place we used to go to. I don't, have you been there recently? No, uh, yeah, we normally order to go. <clears throat> yeah. And so there's a great little Vietnamese spot he's taken me into. I used to call him there sometimes 
I sometimes would call him from there when he wasn't there. And I'd have him talk to the waiter in Vietnamese and say, <laughs> order for me what you what we got a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I'd hang up the phone. Uh, it's a good friendship we've got. It's like it's Uber to a different degree or Uber Eats to a different degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this lady is looking to make 3% a year on her money, a year from now, that's not going to buy her what it's buying today. Right? In any way, stretch, or form. And so you've got to factor in inflation into your cost of living number as you're thinking about that i i heard a uh, shake shack has raised their prices a few times already in the year interesting and i told you that was one by the way did you you never did get back to me on my my note to you if you wanted me to give you the uh the job application from there because they'll pay you a thousand dollars and i wasn't asking for much and just you know 10 20 percent of your email yeah. <laughs> I must have sent it to you in a text yeah. <laughs> that was well, more than a yes, no. I guess, I guess the text was more important. Uh, yeah, email, I guess so. E- email is, uh, takes me about two weeks. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. New topic for you. Mm-hmm. That somebody had... Um, I've had the discussion with people, and I heard it on, I think I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about it, so I thought, oh, this would be a great question for Chris. And it's really a, it, it's along the lines of how to think. But I don't, you and I haven't had this discussion in a long time. And the, where it comes from the question is when you start off and you're learning to do this, you're driven because you've got nothing to lose. And so when you're, you're doing the trading, the investing, right? You, you, your, your number is small. Your back may be figuratively up against the wall. You, you, there's not much risk for you because you, got, you, have, you own nothing. Mm-hmm. And now as you get better and better at this, <clears throat> your, do, your bank balance grows. And now as it grows and grows and grows, now the mind changes to say, I've got everything to lose. And let me ask you, have you run into that and... Or have you seen have you seen that in yourself, or did you see that in yourself? Uh, I think it's the opposite. You know, when I started off, first started off, I thought the numbers were bigger to me mm-hmm. at that time, right? And because you didn't today, have much, you didn't have much, and so it was yeah. scary to lose what you got. Yeah, and so even though you, th- <clears throat> you know, you're saying think the mindset was um, you uh, or or I. Uh, felt like you know I, there's nothing to lose. I, I for some reason back then I felt there was more to lose. Uh-huh. Today I feel like no, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some reason, and the numbers are a lot bigger. Yep. Yeah. And I would say the same thing. Yeah. And the where it, where this came from, I was listening. I, I said I didn't know where I heard it from. I was listening to an interview with Frisella. Mm-hmm. And they were asking him, he's got this new format that he's doing in his podcast. Hey, throw three, you know, submit your questions and we'll answer three of them on each episode. So was, was that a test or did, <clears throat> uh, did, it get, did it get a grade on my answer? Or how did... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no grades. Um, yeah. Not even a pass fail. But the question that they asked the guy is, like, hey, when I start off, you know, I got nothing to lose. I don't have anything. I got nothing to lose. But now as I get better and better, I, I get more fearful because I have everything to lose. How do you mm-hmm. deal with that? And when he said that, I thought, wow, I, th- I think it's from the other way. When I started off, I didn't have much money and I was learning. I was more afraid of losing it. 
-hmm. And I thought that I could lose everything. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I could re-earn it, but I was more scared then. Whereas now, you know, the trade size is much bigger, um, and I could get whacked. And yet, if I did lose everything now, we've talked about this on earlier episodes, it wouldn't take long. It would take a while to build back to the number that I've got today, but it wouldn't take much time at all to build back to freedom. Yeah, I think it has to do with you look at your experience. So, yeah. The fear comes with your experience level. So if you've been doing it consistently, your experience will grow over time. And with more experience, the the fear should be less. Mm-hmm. So whoever answered that the other way is I don't think the experience hasn't really grown. Maybe the number's grown, but the experience hasn't. And so, you know, you're going to feel that. But if your experience has grown, your knowledge, everything has grown, um, you know, you should feel the other way where there's less fear. Yeah, there's, you're not worried yeah. about losing because you know it can earn it back. Yes. Because you trust you trust your methodology is one, mm-hmm. and more importantly, yeah. you trust yourself. Yeah. And then I think along the way, too, is part of learning the stock market and try, and doing well, you have to get yourself detached from the money. And so over time, uh, if if uh, to, to do well, you, you got to start to detach yourself from the dollars. And when you do that's that's where the fear leaves do you find in in saying detach from the dollars mm-hmm. I, I know what that means but i'm thinking for the person that's newer to this yeah that almost makes you sound like a fat cat where you know you're not worried about the price of something when you go shopping no 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 that doesn't mean that way it's uh it's executing your rules uh it's kind of like, you know, I gave an analogy before of, uh, you know, you, you don't play basketball and you're learning how to shoot free throws. Are you attaching yourself to whether you made or missed the shot? Or right? are you focused on that? Or are you focusing on your form and the instructions to take that shot appropriately? To become successful at that, then you need to focus on that form. And your mind needs to be clear and not focus on make or miss. Because if you miss, then it's going to mess with your emotions with the next shot. Or you have this pressure, I got to make this. No, focus on the, what you're trained to do is to take the shot, you know, at the right, uh, with the right form, right? With the right mind and do it. Hit or miss, doesn't matter. Yep. And then eventually and so, you figure out how to tweak it. It's like, okay, now here's what yeah. I do. Now your now you're batting average or your 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 win percentage goes up it's mm-hmm. never going to be 100% you're always going to have losses yeah but your win percentage goes up and now you know what the steps are you need to do that now you just keep doing it again and again and again just rinse and repeat mhm yeah so for those who've been you know trading and you find yourself kind of stuck in you know this this number that you're trading and it really hasn't you know grown or moved around much is because you likely you're attached to the dollar dollar amount um, you know, the moment when you make a certain amount, you're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with that. Or you lose a certain amount. Oh, I don't want to lose more than that. Right. And then you will never grow from there. So okay. hopefully that, that, that clarifies what I meant. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Cause when I heard him say that, I, like I said, the, I thought it was interesting how he answered it. Mm-hmm. And, but when they first asked and I thought, wow, I, I, I kind of view it the opposite way. And that early on when I was learning to trade and invest, I believe I was more fearful because I didn't have a big cushion. Mm -hmm. And so I felt that I did have everything to lose. 
And now that as the cushion is bigger and the trade size is much bigger, the, I mean, um, it's not that the, the fear of law, it's too, uh, I don't want to say this. It's not that there's a fear of loss and that there's not, a, it's not a concern for loss. There's an awareness that loss can occur. Mm-hmm. But I'm not focused on that because I trust myself to only get in trades that meet the criteria that I've studied enough that I'm comfortable will often have a winning result. Yeah. That sounded very lawyer esque. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, anybody who does not uh, buy asset. Uh, they 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 guarantee like a ten percent loss on their money every year. <laughs> I mean, oh, just by holding cash. Just holding cash. Yeah, but most people don't understand that. And if you don't know what he's talking about, uh, you can go back and listen to the prior episode. An easy easy way to think about it is yeah. We mean we just talked to you know gave an example with spring rolls, right? Yep. So pay attention to your costs over over the you know coming years, year by year. Pay attention to the price of what you're paying for. And so today, if you could go in that spring roll restaurant that Chris is talking about and spend a hundred dollars and it's going to buy you X number of orders, whatever it buys you. And now hold on to that hundred dollar bill or hold on to another hundred dollar bill and go into the same restaurant one year again, one year later and see how many spring rolls that hundred dollars buys you. And the answer is it will buy you less. Yeah, ten years ago, I remember the price. If you an order was about maybe six dollars, mm-hmm. today is ten dollars. Yep. So you do the you know what's the increase like eighty percent almost. Yep. Yeah. So you know you got a seventy, eighty percent increase in about ten years. Yep. Yeah. And have the spring rolls gotten bigger in those ten years for that eighty percent? No, 80%? they've gotten smaller. They've gotten smaller. <laughs> they've gotten smaller so so it's not even, even worse. About Apples for apples. Yeah, it's even yeah. worse. Yeah. But so that's what we mean by inflation. So if you look inside, right, I could buy this many pizzas, or the, and we're just speaking about food, but it's really any product. This many spring rolls for $100. Go there a year from today, <clears throat> and you'll find that the quantity that you can purchase, whether it's in the, the quantity, the number of spring rolls, or even the size, right, because it may have shrunk them on you, you'll find that it's less. That's inflation. Yeah, I think it uh, it helps uh, for people to tr- to understand it more or to uh, not be deceived is uh, when you want to look at the value of something or you want to determine the value of something, um, look at its true value and not not the price in U.S. dollars. So, for example, uh, you know, a gallon of gasoline. You know, uh, you say, oh, it went up in price. Did it go up in value? No, it went up in price. Didn't go up in value unless they made your car more efficient, and that gasoline gallon of gasoline is taking you, you know, um, um, further, further, right? You know, per mile, yep, or per gallon. Um, but that says your car went up in value, not the gas gasoline. Right? And you know, most people who own you know their home and they live in it said, "Oh, I bought it for you know four hundred grand, and now it's eight hundred grand." Okay, so did it go up in value? No, it didn't. Well, it yeah, Chris, it did. It went up. It went up by. It went up to eight hundred grand. Of course, it went up. Yeah, it went up in price, but it didn't go up in value. Yeah, because you, they're like, well, but it's more okay. Then if you sell your house, can you buy the same house for four hundred grand? Yeah, I no, mean, you got to pay the same amount for the yeah, same house. Same amount for the and one. The next house door. did not grow. 
your yep. house didn't didn't just all of a sudden gain more rooms, more square footage, mm-hmm. right? Or or somehow it delivered you more value than it was, you know. However, when you first bought it, it didn't give you more value. It's the same home; it just went up in price. Yes. And so, don't look at price as a determinant, you know, a, a factor of value, you know. So, you know, when people say something went up in value, did it really? And that's how you take a look at it. And um, I saw some numbers, you know, this this guy was comparing, uh, he was running some analysis when you, you know, to determine the value of things, it's all like, it's it's relative when you compare it to other things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was like about 600 something uh, ounces of gold was needed to buy the average home in 1970. Okay. okay, so this is before the, uh, you know, uh, gold standard was removed from money, Yep. from the dollar. And so you needed about 600-something ounce of gold, right, ounces of gold to buy the average home in 1970. So you guys can go and, and, and dig, you know, I'm not giving you the exact, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's roughly. And now today, you only need 160 ounces of gold to buy the average house. Gold prices today, roughly, you know, 2,000, okay? How many ounces today? 160 ounces. 160. 160. So that's a house of 320,000, 320 grand. Yeah, there you go. That'd be today's value. Today's value. Right. And back then, you needed 600-something ounces. And back then, the gold prices were maybe $40 or something like that. You know, so you buy a home for 24, 25,000 back then, 1970. Interesting. I, I just ran the numbers just to see my folks, the, the place that they bought at that time, I can remember it was, I think it was 32 grand. There you go. Um, and this was like 72 or 73. Mm-hmm. Um, so they needed 180. <laughs> no. So, well, if you did 600 ounces divided by that, that says the gold was 53 bucks an ounce. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Um, no, it was based on 40 ounces. So how many ounces of gold did they need to buy their place? So divided by 40, the 20, uh, what is it? You said 30, 32,000? 30, 32 grand. So if it was, okay, if it so was 32,000 divided by 40, so it's 800. 800 ounces. Yep. So they needed 800 ounces to buy the gold uh, for their home right now. And today, 800 ounces times, so it's 1.6 million? Yep. Yeah. And the place is not worth on 1.6 million, guarantee. There you go. Yep. So you need a lot less today, less gold. So if you bought gold instead of owning cash, you would have kept the head of inflation. You know, mm-hmm. uh, kept your purchasing power and some. So that's how you kind of look at value of things. And so today, do we say, oh, home prices are cheap, or gold prices are expensive? It's probably neither. It's just you know, gold gold was a better asset to own. Yes. Yeah. Now, remember the disclaimer. We're not saying go buy gold. Exactly. Not saying don't, that. Don't read into that at all. Yeah. It's a it's a way to compare. And so if you and then if you compare it with other commodities like oil, mm-hmm. so uh, the number was about half as much of oil uh, today, right, to purchase a home as compared to nineteen seventy. So you need you need double that number back in nineteen seventy. So you invested if you were able to hold on to oil, you know then you would need half of it today. And then one thing that we don't take into consideration is also when we talked about deflation, you know, the relative cost to build a home is probably much less today 
than in 1970 because prices of materials and all that and also, um, uh, uh, you know, just prices of things are actually a lot cheaper relative to, you know, you have to say relative, not in price. Correct. But yeah, <clears throat> it's uh, we we got more efficient at building. We've gotten more uh, efficient at sourcing. Yep. Right. Materials. And someone will say, well, wait, wait, but my labor, you know, labor costs are this much and, you know, lumber is very expensive today. Yeah, because like, they're they're basing it on price. Exactly. Yeah. That's why we said don't base it on price. Base it on the relative cost. So mm -hmm. what, what was the minimum wage back then and minimum wage today? Yep. Yeah. And so uh, what, what, what you should glean from this <laughs> comparative numbers is uh, if you save in U.S. dollars, you're going to lose guarantee your purchasing power over the years. Right. And so people have been brainwashed to see value in fiat currencies. Right. It's just backed by the authority of government, not, you know, backed by anything that is, you know, uh, of value, really. Mm -hmm. So you really have to reprogram your brain to see <laughs> our paper money differently. Um, and and, you know, that's that's why you're seeing a lot of companies today like, hey. They're looking at other alternatives to convert their balance sheets, you know, to certain assets that would protect them, their, their, their value, because they're seeing, man, if I just buy the S&P into my balance sheet, I would at least, you know, maintain maybe about, I would, you know, over time make 15%. Yep. Yeah. S&P did, I think, almost 20% already this year. Mm -hmm. And last year was like 40%. Now, if you're sitting there, if you're new to this, you're saying, wait, 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 wait. I listen to Susie Orman and I listen to Dave Ramsey and they say that I should keep three or six months of emergency funds available in case something goes wrong. And you're saying don't hold it in cash. It's not what we're saying. You got to have <laughs> yeah, some you're, you're at money that you're using. Yeah. You got You got to, <clears throat> you got to have it aside for you, for, for you to transact it. Yeah. So you, you're going to have cash in your checking account. Yeah. You're going to have cash in a, when I say cash, I don't mean, you know, buried in or stuck under the mattress but readily available, go to the bank and be able to withdraw it if you need it. Right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have some, some amount of cash sitting in a checking or savings account that if the poop hit the fan for this lady that needs this, able to live on 21 grand a year, if she realized, uh Oh, I got a, you know, I've got a big expense. You've got to have some cash cushion <clears throat> as a just in case. And that, if you lose purchasing power on that, no problem, right? It's, you just accept that. But yeah, you have that as a cushion. Yeah, that's the short-term risk that you have to deal with. <clears throat> it's no different than you buy car insurance and you say, well, yeah, but if I don't wreck my car, did I waste the money on the car insurance? Like, no, you had the car insurance as a just-in-case. If something goes wrong, you're covered. The fact that at the end of the year you didn't have an accident, you didn't have any need for it, that doesn't mean you wasted your money. It's there as a just in case. And so don't twist up what we're I don't want to get notes from people saying, well, wait, I can't have any kind of emergency fund because you told me I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose cash purchasing power on it. You just reply how to think. <laughs> <laughs> Re-listen. Yeah. You, 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 you got to try to, the message is you got to try to convert fiat into assets mm -hmm. that will at least hold, if not increase in value over time for you. We term, remember value. Okay, really to determine value is what we talked about. Don't just look at price. Yep. And uh, just because you get paid in fiat 
does not mean you got to store what you've earned in fiat. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the wealthy people know that. That's why I always look at, you know, people who have, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars or, you know, even hundreds of millions in assets. And I'm like, well, how come they always have debt? Yes. You know? Yep. It's because they don't want to sell their assets. The debt is a lot cheaper. You know, the debt that what they're paying on their debt is so cheap compared to the value, the growth of their assets. Why are they going to sell assets? They just take on debt more and more debt over time. So the percentage of debt against their overall assets, you know, always stays the same or you know, uh, uh, goes down over time if they're not borrowing more and more. You know, because the assets is outgrowing you know, debt. Next question for you. When you started off, right, your goal was to get to, I don't know if we were using the word time freedom there, but you wanted to be able to walk away, right, to leave the job or not have to be stuck there if you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. When you first started out, was that the goal? When I lost I lost the uh, connection for a little bit. When you first started out, right, when you, and, you were 21 years old, right, handed mm-hmm. your subscription to IBD and you were starting to study that and then study other stuff as well mm-hmm. was your goal there to make a dollar a month was your goal there where you're looking ahead 10 years and saying hey if i do this for the next 10 years i can quit do you remember yeah my my goal was my goal was retirement so your goal my was goal, to, so i didn't have to work you want to be out of the workforce yes and so now as you get and i didn't really have any number to go okay i gotta get to this number or i gotta it was just yeah, the, just the goal was that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like I need a million in the bank or I need a half exactly. a million or a hundred grand. Yeah. And yeah. did you even look at it and say, if you're making a hundred grand a year, do you say I need to be making a hundred grand a year? No. Are you thinking that way? You just, I want to be making. No, I wasn't. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have that. It, it was more of a, it wasn't like, okay, I got to make eight grand a month. Yeah. Like, no, I just, by the end of the year, I better have made more trading than I did working. Mm-hmm. And dramatically more so that I can cover the fluctuations. But I didn't have a hard science on it. So now as you're going along, right, you start off, you get some wins, some losses, some big wins, some big losses. Oh, huge losses. Right? <laughs> Painful mm-hmm. cry about it. Like, okay, let's start, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get going. Yeah, I've gotten close to where I've lost, uh, 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 you know, that average house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Just so you know. Yep, I've done it. It That's doesn't in feel one good. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. As you get closer to what you deem to be freedom. Deemed to be freedom, whatever, whether that was a number, a monthly number, a, a feeling, a something. What drives you? Because at some point, don't you feel like the need to let the foot off the gas a little bit because you're getting closer? What What drove me to... As you're getting, like when you're starting out, like, oh man, I can't wait to leave this place, right? And you'll spend mm-hmm. all your nights and weekends studying. Yeah. And now a few years down the road you can see you're just executing. Yeah. Um, do you feel, did you ever feel the, the inclination to maybe let your foot off the accelerate a little bit because now you're getting closer. You don't need to push as hard. Mm, no, not really. I mean, I would let it off. just just certain times because of, uh, you know, life circumstances mm-hmm. like family or, you know, you, you, you have this other priority, but, I never thought about that way from a money perspective. Um, in fact, like, you know, I value uh, life things more than money. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, I could hire a babysitter, 
um, I could do that. I could, uh, you know, uh, get get an office out somewhere and where I could, you know, have more of my, my own time than without any distractions or something like that. Yep. And sit and, and, and trade and, you know, uh, focus on that um, and make a lot more. But I don't value that. That's because the money doesn't buy, you know, what I enjoy, right? I, I enjoy being. Well, you enjoy, <laughs> at, you enjoy the time. Yeah, enjoy the time being with the kids. And, you know, yep. why why have a family and all that? And you're going to focus on making more money and ignoring that. And but, so. Um, but, that's yeah, when you, so. but that's when you're at the point of freedom. But how about when okay. you're at the point of, okay, I'm starting off. You're almost there, you're saying? Well, no, I mean, when you start off right, you think, oh, man, I hope this works. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a hope and a prayer. It's like, you know, Hanson's talking a good story. Shit, I hope it works. It seems to make sense. Yeah. And yeah. then as you get going on, you're like, oh, this is working. Okay. All right. I'm, you know, I'm making, you know, I don't know, a thousand dollars a month pretty consistently or whatever yeah. that number is. Yeah. And, you know, you want your number to be just for, I'm picking up a number. Let's say it's 10 grand. You know, if you can do that consistently, like, okay, cool. I could walk. And now you're up making three grand, four grand, five grand. You have a month where you make 15 and then you have a month where you lose three. Right. And so you, there's inconsistency that's in there. And now you're getting to the point where you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I can see it. You know, maybe you're making seven grand a month or eight grand a month or, you know, a hundred grand a year and you really want to get to 150 or whatever, whatever metric you're using. Mm -hmm. So you're close, but you're not there yet. Do you find, do do you remember looking back as you were getting closer to it? Did you lighten up in the pursuit of the goal or did that make you work harder to get there now that you can see it and you can taste it? Yeah, I don't think I doubt either lighten up or work harder. Um, you just maintained. It, it just, yeah, maintained based and, and uh, always adjusting according to life situation. Um, so, you know, I didn't really have the, okay, this number I needed to make or, you and know. You didn't um, have a date that said I had to be there by this. Yeah, I think it was more, you know, mentally was the date was, hey, retire by 30 or 28 or whatever. It was 28 at first. You know, and then after, as you get, you know, closer there and you, you know, and then you retire and, you know, with more experience, understanding it doesn't matter. Right. It, it didn't really matter hindsight. And so, um, you know, it, it's probably, a, you know, just maybe a head a, a headline in the article or something to say at a younger age, but it didn't really matter. Right. Um, so the number wise didn't matter. Uh, and then early on, as I started to crunch the numbers and go, you know, what what type of wealth I could build? And I thought. Hey man, I could I could make billions of dollars, right? And then you know I told you the life circumstances changed that where I it, it doesn't matter. Correct. It's like it's not going to make me a better person, or uh, 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 you know give me a better life or anything. It's just going to actually make me more busy and complicate things. Yeah, your lifestyle yeah. won't change, and your attitude yes. won't change. If you're a billion or you know whatever million yeah. millions, whatever that number is, yeah, it's not going to. How do I say this? It it doesn't make you more free. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you. No offense, dude. It's not going to make you better looking. <laughs> Worse. <laughs> more bags. More bags. Yeah, and more rings around that neck. Yeah, um, more rings around your neck. Yeah, but it's not going to make you better looking. It's not going to make you smarter. Um, and I don't know. Do you re- do you have an interest in driving a Lamborghini versus a <laughs> versus no, a whatever? Not at all. Uh, not at all. Yeah, I don't. That doesn't grab me. You know, I told you about my car, and uh, every time we drive somewhere, and uh, you know, it's about every week or so, I see a, I see a new ding somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you know, especially you live here in LA, you know, maybe it's better in Orange County, but <laughs> it's 
like things and little scratches here and there. I was like, man. And I was like, I, I thought I parked far enough away from people, but yep. I guess not enough. Um, but that, yeah, it makes you like, okay, it doesn't even, you, you know, it's like a, a pair of shoes you bought. Yep. It's going to get dirty. Yep. And, yeah. and you're going to get, you know, scuff marks on it, whatever it's, whatever. It's going to piss it, you it off more if it were yeah. a $100,000 yeah. car as opposed to a $20,000 car. Yeah. So yep. you, you, you'll get more, it's just going to annoy you more, the more expensive cars that you have, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's how I see it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want stuff to annoy me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you, you're going to like, what's the why? Why are you buying an expensive car? Because you like the look of it or whatever it is. Right. And and now you're going to have to spend a lot. You're going to have a lot less time freedom. That There's is. overhead on that. Yeah. And yeah. not you, just financial. You, it's, to, it's mental overhead. Mental and time. Right. Because you're going to have time to maintain it, to take care of it. Yep. Yeah. And then to worry right. about, OK, can I park it? At the 99 wrench mark, yeah. <laughs> I get that little Asian lady with that weird-looking baseball hat that's got the big, oh, yeah. <laughs> the big sunscreen thing on it. Yeah. Well, I didn't tell you, I, um, I, I, you know, I drove my mom in the car, right? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. For the for the listener, just so you know, anytime Lamb and I talk, I bring up driving. I just have yeah. to say one little thing, and then, boom, he's going to go and tell me about an, about an, an Asian driver story. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, I got my mom sitting in the passenger seat, right? And then I, I parked the car and, you know, we're getting to the restaurant. And then uh, I notice, I go, oh, man, I go the door, right? And it's not, it's not like it's just, you know, she can't get out of the car, right? And it's about from the door to there's a pole. There's a metal, there's a metal pole with the metal post with the signs, right? <laughs> and so I'm looking at it and I go, it's about three feet away from the door. So, you know, she can open it and get out comfortably, right? Mm -hmm. Just don't swing it full swing out so it'll hit it. <laughs> I, so I said, I said, Mom, you see that pole right there? I said, careful, okay? When you open the door, don't swing it out all the way. Just, just open just enough so you can <laughs> go out, right? And I mentioned it to her a few times. And then when she gets out of the car, I heard, whang! And it's not even like a controlled wang. It was just the door just. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I was like, all right. That's my uh, fault because I uh, gave my mom enough credit to understood what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how to think. You got to take responsibility for yep. it. Uh, but if you, you know, you, you blame her, you deal with the problem, not her. <laughs> so next time. Uh, tell her, stay in the car. I'm going to open the door for you. Yeah, I will come around. Yeah, or let me move the car. <laughs> let me move funny. it down. <laughs> Do you remember DWA? Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, for the I, listener. I did buy DreamWorks animation. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, I had left IBM. He was still there. And if we, you know, he'd, he'd be working, I'd be looking at charts. If, if we saw something, if either one of us saw something, <clears throat> we would text the other guy a message. Um, and if it was a ticker, we would just capitalize it. And so you just knew if you saw, you know, IBM, you don't have to say anything. Go look at a chart and go, oh, I can see the entry that he's looking at. And that way we don't have to call each other. And if he's busy or, you know, meetings or whatever he's got to do, I could just send him a quick little text. And you learned just if it was a stock ticker, you put it in capitals. 
And so he called me one morning and he was regaling the day. I think he, did you get a ticket? I can't remember. You got a speeding ticket or I don't know. You ran a stop sign, but something. Yeah. I got a, I was in Texas. Uh, I got a speeding ticket. Uh, yeah. And, or maybe, maybe you even texted me and say, Hey, I got a speeding ticket. I think that's what, I don't think we spoke. I think you texted. No, yeah, no, you, we didn't speak. Uh, it was over uh, uh, oh, the instant message thing, or whatever. Instant message. It might have been Skype. Yeah, I think that's what we used back then. <laughs> so he sends me this little equivalent of a text message that said, "Oh, I got, uh, I get a speeding ticket or something." And I wrote back, <laughs> "DWA," in caps, and I meant driving while Asian. And so he's <laughs> he comes back with a question mark. And he's in there looking at the ticker for DreamWorks Animation going, why would you buy this? <laughs> this yeah. doesn't make any sense. So. It's like, where's the setup, dude? Yeah, this, 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 this is a is, crappy stock. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> so, anyway. Uh, let's see. That's all I had on my list. What else you got to cover? That's it. I, I didn't have a list. You, normally, you got a list. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm letting you be, uh, I'm letting you be yeah. parent these days. Yeah, <clears throat> so I'm taking care of the topic stuff. Along those lines, if you don't like the topics that I'm coming up with <laughs> and the things to talk about, totally my fault. Send me a note, um, and I'll be happy to take some insight on things to cover. We've gotten a couple over the past couple of weeks with things going on in the White House that we may uh, may include on our list of topics on an upcoming episode. You can reach us either by going to the investingfromthebeach.com website, click on the contact tab, <clears throat> and that'll get to me. It sends me an email or if you put it out there, it'll get an email. Uh, Chris doesn't read the emails. I forward the, uh, occasionally, I get a couple of really nice ones lately and I have not forwarded them to him because he refuses to respond to emails. So I don't let him see the nice things that people say. It's not, say I don't us. read it. I don't get them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you heard him say earlier, you know, if you send him an email, it'll take him about two weeks to reply. So, but in all seriousness, if you've got a suggestion for us <clears throat> for an upcoming episode or a comment on what we've talked about in the past, by all means, shoot me a note. Be happy to read them and take some insight on that. If you'd rather speak, um, I do answer the phone. You can reach us on a phone number, 747-24-BEACH. Uh, if you don't have the numerics on your keypad, it's 747 747- Two four two three two two four. What else? Emails. Oh, if you want to send a direct email, you could send it to investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. And let me think. What other stuff do we say on this, Chris? We did before about the Tuesday waves. We know that if you put into practice what we've talked about on earlier episodes, on this episode, and on upcoming episodes, it can get you to freedom. And let me just say this. Freedom is an absolutely awesome spot to be. What, if you choose to do it in the stock market, terrific. If you choose to do the methods I teach, terrific. If you want to do somebody else's methods, terrific. Doesn't matter. If you want to do it in real estate, terrific. Go do it. Just bust your butt to get to freedom. Because I promise you, once you get to that spot, there is nothing that is sweeter. And it's very rare for, you know, because once you had time freedom or you as you go about and you meet people, how many have you come across with time freedom? Very, very few. Yeah, you, you come across with people with money, but no time freedom. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's a fantastic place to be and, uh, you know, bust your butt to get there. Dude, rave on it. You never rave. I always get passionate about it. Let me hear you flip on the passion <laughs> switch. Go. Well, you know, I mean, we we just assumed like, or we take it for granted. But uh, when you look at – because I don't go out a whole lot, right? But when you start to – now I'm starting school and I'm seeing parents and I see, you know, they come, back, come in their scrubs. Right. Okay, you're at the hospital. 
and then you know here's a guy with this uh, you know not a suit but you know a dress shirt and okay you're probably in a corporate office you know maybe an IT or something right so you start to identify who's doing what and mm-hmm. then they got to rush off and you know me and my wife we go in the same car with the kids and uh, I'm carrying the baby I'm in my you know shorts and uh, flip flops and you know all my uh, my heels are all cracked you know <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worn shoes for so long, so my my I got a lot of heels. <laughs> Wait, you just broke up. And your phone went, so your heels are cracked. You said you wear flip flops. You don't wear shoes. Oh, did uh, yeah, did you, you broke me up? Yeah, you're good. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. So so uh, it's not know, the heels of your shoes like... that are cracked up. It's literally the heel of your foot. Yeah, they're not the heel of my shoes, but the yep. heel of my uh, my foot. Dude, you're a Vietnamese yeah. immigrant, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, it's worse. You know, it's funny you mentioned because when I go back to Vietnam, uh, I'm, I'm comparing my heel to theirs. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm worse than them. <laughs> and they wear shoes a lot. You know, I mean, yep. they wear shoes more often than I do. You know, um, uh, and and I guess they're you know they're in uh, better uh, humidity, right? With yep. the weather and all that. Yep. Yeah. But but yeah, I look like I'm a beggar on the street, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so people are like, "What the hell does this guy drop?" You know, it's like the teacher uh, asked me, you know, where are you going to pick up your kids? Are they going to, uh, you know, you're going to pick them up by car, or are you going to have a bus, or uh, you know, some other things? And I, <laughs> almost like uh, I was going to tell them, "Oh, oh uh, I'm going to walk here and pick her up," you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walk or, or get a bike and put one of those little. We were talking. You get in a little trailer thing to put her in the back. Yeah, but very, but very yeah, cool. I mean, it's it's uh, you, you, you when I go out more and then I recognize how uh, busy and uh, you know people are in their mind as far as running to work and worry about the days uh, the day ahead of them, and then I see the two parents who come and you know with the kids and then they all both they both drove drove separate cars because they mm-hmm. were both going their ways to work right. Um, so that's you know. Uh, that's the 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 what you got look to look forward to as far as you know your day and the choice to uh, not have to uh, worry about uh, you know w- w- who you're going to serve. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, <clears throat> that is exactly it. Um, and then yeah, I mean, there's all, let me ask you this, just since we're joking about it, does your lovely bride at least dress for the occasion and take her to school? Uh, she did today. <laughs> she did today. She's she's gotten a. So you're the bum. Uh, yeah, I mean, she used to she used to like to get dressed and all that, and uh, and every time we'd go out, she said, I go, I go. She's like, man, I gotta get dressed. I go, no, no, it's fine. But she said, man, I'm a woman. You know, <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. I go, look, I'm I'm still wearing, you know, I'm wearing my shorts and t-shirts. She said, yeah, but that's <clears throat> that's like you're going out clothes and you're sleeping clothes. <laughs> She said, I can't go like in my pajamas. I'm like, it's okay. Who you are? Nobody to impress it's all yep. right. <laughs> That's very cool. But you know, she's she's dialed that down a bit where you know she's starting to be more comfortable just, you know, wearing like house clothes and stuff. It's okay, you know. That's cool. <laughs> so, but you hear the message behind this. Bust your butt to get to freedom. It is an absolutely phenomenal place to be. It is there is not a lot of traffic on this road, I promise you. Uh, most people are not willing to put in the effort. They hit a little glitch and they get frustrated and they quit. Um, they come up with a bazillion excuses, which is okay, no problem. I need, you know, Chris. You know, we've said many times we need people to work at the companies that we wish to own shares in forever. 
and we need the employees working there to work hard so that that company will continue to sell more and reduce costs and all that boils down to the stock price, which benefits the shareholder. So and the advice I can give you when you hit time freedom is to wear shoes. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool. As always, oh, one of the things we would ask, um, we don't, you know, we, we don't do any um, advertisements aside from mm-hmm. the, you know, the eight second thing where I said I teach a class, but there are no advertisers that we answer to. The one thing I would ask for all of you, if you could, if you like what we're saying, please tell somebody. Um, you know, if you've got social media, put put something out on your whatever the hell the hot social media top uh, uh, platform is today. But let somebody know if there's something that we say that would help somebody, by all means, just steer them to the podcast and see if it grabs them. We would appreciate that. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we will look forward to speaking to you next time. Take care. Say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye. Goodbye.